Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. If you've got a Bible, turn in two places, all right? Acts chapter 16, you can open up there. In Ephesians chapter 1, you can put a marker there. We'll start in Acts 16, and we will end in Ephesians chapter 1. We're continuing our series this weekend titled Grace Upon Grace, in which we've been talking about for the last month, the grace of God. And since we're now uh, to the halfway point, I know some of you are starting to kind of keep track on what we're talking about, the individual topics, and, and some of you might be thinking, okay, hold on, we're to the halfway point, and so far it's been grace, grace, grace. Surely now that we're to the halfway point, we're gonna start talking about the other part of the equation, works. No, we're not. Not yet. We're not gonna go there yet. We'll get there. We'll get to righteous living, but not yet. Here's why. Because you've got to catch this first. You've got to catch the grace of God first. You have to. If you move too fast to righteous living, which grace does produce, but if you move too fast to righteous living, you'll begin to believe that righteous living produces grace, and it doesn't. So we've got to make sure that we all understand the grace of God, before we move on to good works, before we move on to righteous living. And think about this. When you got saved, you 100% believed that you were saved by grace through faith. You know why? Because you didn't have any good works. You thought, man, this is awesome. I don't have any good works. In fact, I'm ashamed of all my works. You're telling me, believe? This, this is amazing. Yeah, it is. But here's my question, what changed? Why did we believe that all we had to do was believe in the beginning, that we were saved by grace through faith, but somewhere along the way, we, we just started thinking, well, as I do all these good deeds, surely these count for something. I mean, they, they gotta count for something. This can't be for nothing, and, and little by little, we move away from the grace of God and start thinking we can earn a gift. Acts chapter 16, many of us know this passage, but I'll give you a little bit of the background before we jump into what we're going to read today. Paul and Silas are in jail in the middle of the night, like crazy people, worshiping. And the earthquake goes down, the shackles come off, and the cell doors fling open. And the jailer is panicking because he's afraid all of the prisoners are escaping and he is going to kill himself. Paul and Silas say, relax, we're not going anywhere. The chains came off, but we're gonna stay here. Don't kill yourself. Let's pick up in verse 29 what happens next. Then he, the jailer, called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your family. 
Isn't that a great story? I mean, that's a great story. Paul and Silas worshiping. Earthquake goes down in the middle of their worship in jail. Shackles come off. Prison doors fling open. Jailer wants to get saved. I mean, this is a great story. And the jailer says, what do I have to do to be saved? And Paul and Silas say, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But, but here's the deal. Those of us who've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, we kind of know better, don't we? We know that there are other things we have to do to be saved, right? I mean, we know the whole truth. I mean, do you ever read a story in the Bible and you go, surely some things were creatively omitted from this account? I wonder if that's the case with this. I mean, surely some things were omitted. I mean, I, I kind of picture it in this way. You got Silas, you got Paul, and then you have the jailer over here. And the jailer says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas say, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I just imagine Silas nudging Paul as he says it, going, And Paul going, I, I, I don't want to tell him the other parts. Let's just get him signed up first. Because if we tell him the other parts, he's not going to sign up. I just see the jailer going, well, what, what other parts? Just tell me what I must do to be saved. I want to be saved. Just tell me. I just see Paul saying, well, uh, you got to believe, uh, but, but you got to pray. You, you got to pray. Um, and, and you got to pray every day. We'll, we'll teach you how, but you got to believe. You got to pray every day. And just see Silas going. Okay, you got to believe. You got to pray every day, and you, you got to read your Bible. You got to read your Bible uh, as well, every day. Every believe, pray every day. Read your Bible every day. That that's 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 not it. That's there's more. Uh, okay, write this down. Believe. You got to believe, you got to pray every day, got to read your Bible every day. You got to go to church every week. Every week, you got to go to church, okay? Believe, pray, read your Bible every day, go to church every week, and, and, and be good. You got to be good too, and do good deeds, okay? So uh, track with me, got to believe, got to pray every day, got to read your Bible every day, got to go to church every week. You gotta be good and do good deeds. And that's it. You see Silas going. Jailer's going, well, what else? Just tell me, I'll do anything. I just see Paul going, well, uh, there's some do's and don'ts. Well, how do I know what to do and what not to do? Well, we have a book. It's called Leviticus. <laughs> J just read it and do what it says. Do the do's and just don't, don't do the don'ts, all right? So, so that's it. Just believe, pray every day, read your Bible every day, go to church every week, be good, do good deeds, do the do's, don't do the don'ts, and that is all. That's not, that's, that's not all. There, there's, there's actually more. 
What else is there? Just tell me. Just, just shoot straight with me. This is, this is embarrassing. This, I don't want to say this. This is embarrassing. But when we got here, we noticed some things about your family. And, and, and they didn't know. I, they didn't know. It, it's okay. They didn't know, but they're about to know. What did you notice? Just what, what was it? Well, the first thing we noticed, uh, your wife's skirt was above her knee. And the skirt, thus saith the Lord, is supposed to cover the knee. And we also noticed your daughter, we saw it, she has a tattoo. And thus saith the Lord, if you're going to have a tattoo, you got to cover up that tattoo. She didn't know. She didn't know. It's okay. Now she knows. Not supposed to have them, but, but cover it up if you got them. Don't let anybody know you got them. I'm not telling them this next one. It's embarrassing to me. We noticed something about your son, okay? We saw your son playing with Pokemon cards. And we all know the Pokemon, Pokemon is the Antichrist. <laughs> can't play with Pokemon cards. He didn't know. He's just a kid. He didn't know. He can't play with Pokemon cards. But that, this is, listen, listen. I know you didn't know. They didn't know. But I've got good news for you. We have some ladies in church who will help you know when you're doing something wrong. I got to keep a straight face on this part. How will I know who they are? Oh, don't worry. They'll find you. And they'll tell you everything you're doing wrong. But that, this, this is it. This is it. There's no more. Just believe. Just believe and pray every day and read your Bible every day and go to church every week. Be good, do good deeds, do the do's, don't do the don'ts. Make sure your family knows all the things not to do. Find the church ladies at church, do whatever they tell you to do, and that's it. I just see Silas one last time going. I see Paul going, no way. I am not telling him that. He's about to stop. He don't want to sign up after all this. And if I tell him this, he is never signing up. And just see Silas going. See the jailer just saying, is this it? Is this the last thing? Just, just tell me what it is. I'll do it. Just tell me. See Paul saying, well, there's one last thing. Uh, and it's about you. And this is hard for me to say. Um, but uh, there's some required minor surgery. <laughs> but don't worry, Silas has a knife, and we can just take care of this right here, right now. You'll, you'll forget many, many, many years from now that this even happened. What minor surgery are you talking about? It's best you don't know. 
just drop your drawers, close your eyes, and if you want to, you can squeeze onto Silas's hand. This will be over before you know it. Because that's what Paul and Silas should have said, right? When the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? What they should have said was, believe. Pray every day, read your Bible every day, go to church every week, be good, do good deeds, do the do's, don't do the don'ts, do whatever the church ladies at church say, and be circumcised right here, right now. What they should have said to the jailer was just, hey, let's cut to the chase, drop your drawers, close your eyes, squeeze out the sand, and let's do this thing. But they didn't say that, did they? They said, believe. Why don't we believe this? Why do we keep adding things that we think we must do in order to be saved? You know what you need to do? Because somebody, when you got saved, told you, all you need to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You know what you need to do? You need to go track that person down. You need to punch him in the face because they lied to you. That's not true. Because if you go to church for any amount of time, they'll tell you all the do's and the don'ts. They'll tell you all the things you need to do to stay saved, let alone be saved. You just need to go pop them in the mouth and say, you lied to me. It's a whole lot harder than you said. You made it sound easy, but when I started going to church, they told me how much harder it was every week I went. You lied to me. It's so much harder than you said. No, it's not. It is that easy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Salvation. That's why the title of the message is, what is it? What is salvation? Now, I understand that that's the question I want to talk about today, but there's another question that a lot of you would like to talk about. And your question is not what is it, it's can I lose it? I don't know how many times I've been asked this question since we started this series on grace. I'm telling you, almost every service I've been asked this question. Can I lose my salvation? Somebody told me I can lose it. Do you believe you can lose it? I believe I can lose my salvation. Preston, do you believe you can lose it? Almost every service. Listen. Before you try and answer that question, it would be wise to answer the question I'm trying to answer. What is it? Because if you know what it is, you might maybe, just maybe, find the answer to the question you're trying to answer. But you got to know what it is first. So let's talk about salvation. What is it? Here's the first thing. Point number one, it is a gift. It is a gift. Salvation is not a goal. You may have heard this before. It's not a goal to be achieved. It's a gift to be received. Salvation isn't a goal. It's a gift. And because it's a gift, it cannot be earned. If it can be earned, then it's not a gift. That's what Romans eleven six 6 says. It says, and if by grace, then it's no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Here's what Paul is saying. It can't be both. And why would we argue this? Why would we argue grace or works? Do you really want to be saved by your works? I don't. I want to be saved by his, Christ's finished work. 
and say by his, God's grace, not by Preston's works. Why would we argue this? It can't be both. If it's grace, it's not works. If it's works, it's not grace. I want you to, to imagine, what if one of your children, let's say you had a child that was very, very sick. I mean, deathly sick. And they needed multiple expensive surgeries to stay alive. And someone in this church with hundreds of millions of dollars says to you, we're going to give you a million dollars to pay for all of these surgeries because we want to see your child live. We've got hundreds of millions of dollars. We're not going to miss this one million at all. We'd like to give this one million to you so that your child might live. How would you respond? Now remember, they go to church here. But they don't just go to church here. They shop at the same grocery store you do. So you bump into them an aisle four every other time you go to the grocery store. They, they don't just go to the same grocery store. They come to the same service as you. So you see them every weekend. And they're in your life group. You see them everywhere all the time. How do you handle that? What do you feel when you see them? Do you feel gratitude or do you feel indebtedness? When they pull into the parking lot behind you and you get the last parking space and they can't find one, do you pull out of yours and let them have your spot? When they have to go to the airport every week, do you drop everything and give them a ride? Do you pick up their mail every single day while they're gone? And if you do all these things, why do you do it? Do you do it because you're grateful for everything they did for your child, or do you do it because every time you see them, you feel guilty because you feel indebted to them? Listen to me closely. Too many Christians are doing good deeds because they feel indebted to God. That's not gratitude. It never will be. You're simply trying to pay him back. Think about this. Some people even say in church, I owe God everything. I owe God everything. Such bad theology. You know what God says in response to that statement? You owe me nothing. Because I gave you a free gift. If it came with strings attached, then you'd owe me. But it was a free gift that I gave. You owe me nothing. Salvation is a gift. But let's talk about what kind of gift it is. I'm going to give you a couple of things. Here's the first one. It is an eternal gift. It is an eternal gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 2.25 says, and this is the promise that God has promised us, conditional life. It's what we act like sometimes. Eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. These things I have written to you who believe on, in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. It's a gift, and that gift is eternal. And here's my question for you. How long is eternal Imagine that forever. He's an eternal God. Forever. Eternal life. 
What is salvation? It's the gift of eternal life. Here's the second thing. It is the gift of forgiveness. Salvation is the gift of forgiveness. Acts 13, 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Okay, how many of your sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus? Say it with, with just a little more confidence. All, yeah, of course. And several of you were saying it the first time confidently because you said, all, 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 all my sins are covered. Because some of these other people have been in church for decades. I have, I, oh, I got some nasty stuff. All my sins are covered. If all your sins are cleansed, not just covered by the blood of Jesus, how could you go to hell? I want you to think about this. The Bible says that God will remember our sins no more. That he chooses to remember our sins no more. And then he removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. Do you know what that means? That means that God came to me and said, I'm not going to remember your sins ever again, James Preston Morrison. You realize that? I want you to think about this. Here's what that means. That means in order for me to go to hell, He's going to have to lie to me and remember my sins. And that is never going to happen. Not ever. He remembers my sins no more. Not ever again. Because he has forgiven me. He has forgiven you all of our sins. Salvation is the gift of forgiveness. Here's the third type of gift salvation is. It is the gift of justification. It is the gift of justification. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. The word justification means true justice has been done in a situation. That a wrong has been righted. In, in Israel, when someone owed a debt, a huge debt that they could not pay, they entered into what was called a grace period. Maybe you've heard that term before. We use that in our modern day. Uh, credit card companies have a grace period. And here's what would happen in a grace period. When someone owed a debt, the collector, the one who was owed, would take a piece of paper, would travel to the home of the debtor, and write the amount that was owed on the paper and the name of the person who owed it, and would tack it to their front door so that every person that walked by would see several things. First, the person that lives in this house owes a huge debt. Second, the name of who that person is. And third, they realize that if this person doesn't pay that debt, they will become a slave. 
And every once in a while, a wealthy person traveling by the home would see the paper with the debt and the name. And a wealthy person would stop, scribble out the name of the debtor, and write their name in its place, personally paying their debt. This is where we get our word justification. And I've got really good news for you. This is exactly what Jesus did for you. Jesus walked by your house and saw, we'll just use me, he walked by my house and saw a monster number on the door. Huge number with my name attached to it. And Jesus went right to my doorstep, scribbled out my name, and using his own blood wrote his name and personally paid my debt and yours. been justified. He made my wrongs right because salvation is the gift of justification. Here's the fourth type of gift it is. It is the gift of righteousness. Romans chapter 4 verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We talked about this several weeks ago. If you weren't here, go back and listen to the message. Righteousness means right standing with God. Salvation gives us right standing with God. Salvation is a gift. Here's the second thing salvation is. Point number two, it is redemption. It is redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? What? what? You mean when I believe I no longer belong to myself? No. Why? Verse 20, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have been purchased by God. I belong to him. And here's how it happened. God gave the keys to the earth to Adam. And Adam lost them to Satan. Therefore, when I was born, I was born as a slave to sin, a slave to Satan. But God bought me back at a price, and the price was the blood of his son. I've been redeemed. I no longer belong to myself. I belong to him. In scripture, uh, there's a story of a man who marries a, a woman who has a really difficult path that she walks. This man's name is Hosea, and, and I think because this story involved being a prophetic word to the people of Israel, I think many of us forget that this was actually a true story. It's not a parable, it's a true story. And it beautifully illustrates how God redeemed us. Hosea marries this woman, takes her as his wife, and she decides to leave him. And in doing so, she makes the decision to become a prostitute. That's how she's going to pay her bills, take care of all her 
debts was to become a prostitute. When that didn't work, she had to go a step further. She became a slave. And here's how it would go. She would stand on the auction block and someone would buy her. She'd be sold to that person. That person would take her home, use her. When he was done with her, take her back to the auction block, sell her again. She'd be purchased. She'd go home. That person would use her. When they were done with her, they'd take her back to the auction block. And one day, she was standing on the auction block and the bids began. One shekel of silver, two Four, eight shekels of silver, 12, 15, 20 shekels of silver. The price quickly escalating. And a voice from the back shouts out, 15 shekels of silver and 15 shekels worth of grain. People start snickering because everybody knows that slaves are purchased with silver. Who, who, who uses grain to buy a slave? Only someone who just ran out of silver. Hosea is the one standing in the back as Gomer looks through the crowd and says, who on earth would pay 15 shekels of silver for me? After all these times, I've been sold into slavery. And then on top of that, 15 shekels worth of grain. Who is that crazy person? It was Hosea. And Hosea takes her home and he says, you're never going to have to do that again because I'm going to take care of you now. And God said, tell my people I am going to do that for them. That's what redemption looks like. God was the crazy one in the back shouting, I'll take Preston, I'll take him. And nobody can top this bid. It's the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. Bidding is now closed. I'll take Preston. He redeemed me. He redeemed you. He bought me back. I no longer belong to myself. I now belong to him. Salvation is a gift. It's also redemption. But here's the third thing salvation is. Point number three, it is past tense. Salvation is past tense. When a person believes that works are more important than grace, without realizing it, their deeply held theological beliefs cause them to think that salvation, being saved, happens when you die, not when you believe. And so their hope is that they do enough good so that when they die, they are found faithful, found to be good, and thus are saved. So they spend their lives toiling, striving, working to earn something, a free gift that they've already been given. It's past tense. Believe and you will be saved. Something happened in my past. And you got to pick this up. If you believe you can lose your salvation, if you believe it, that, that works are more important than grace, you've got to pick up on the fact. Yes, salvation is present tense and future tense. And I'll explain that in a second. But never forget, it is also past tense. I have been given a gift. I have, have been justified. I have been redeemed. 
Past tense, it has happened. Flip over to Ephesians chapter one. And I want you just to notice how many times the past tense is used in this passage, all right? Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse three. We're gonna read a lot of verses here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed the past tense, us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose, past tense, us in him, and watch this next past tense, before the foundation of the world. That's past tense right there. That's serious past tense. So past before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined, past tense, us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us, past tense, accepted, past tense, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Skip down to verse 11. In him also we have, past tense, obtained, past tense, an inheritance, being predestined, past tense, according to the purpose of of, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also trusted, past tense, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Not when you die, when you believed. In whom also, having believed, past tense, you were, past tense, sealed, past tense, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Does anybody see how important the past tense is to understanding salvation? It's essential. It's essential. Past tense is nearly in every verse. I'm not going to be accepted when I get good enough. I am accepted. I have been saved. And you nor anyone else can take that away from me with your legalism, your criticism, your judgmentalism, or your religion. He picked me up and said, you're mine now. And you can try. You can try and take away my salvation with your bad theology, but you will never trust and believe, never be able to pry me out of his hands because he said, no one can snatch you out of my hands. Because he's that kind of a father, the forever kind. You can't take that away from me with your theology. He is an eternal God, and his salvation is eternal. Think about this. What does Revelation say? When it talks about God being eternal, what does it say? He is the God who was, past tense, the God who is, present tense, and the God who is to come, future tense. That's what it means to be eternal. Now think about this. Salvation is past tense, which is what we're talking about, present tense, and future tense. The Bible says we are being saved. And some people use that as ammunition, that we're not saved until we die, because we're being saved, and we'll be saved when we die, if we're found faithful. No. No, listen, let me explain it. My spirit has been saved. Read Ephesians 2. My spirit has been saved. My soul is being, present tense, saved. The word saved means made whole. My soul is being renewed. 
It's being made whole on a daily basis as I grow in him. And my body will be saved. Remember what saved means, made whole. This body is going to be perfected. It's going to be made whole. For an eternal God, salvation must be eternal, past tense, present tense, and future tense. And we think often about the present tense and a whole lot about the future tense, but we cannot forget that salvation is also past tense. Too many Christians end up believing that they got a really raw deal. They get saved because someone tells them, all you have to do is believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. They think this is a great deal. And then they go to church and they hear all the do's and the don'ts. They begin to believe, man, I got a horrible deal. I don't know. You got a much better deal than you can even imagine. Think about this. Jesus came to you and said, would you like to be forgiven of your sins? But before you answer that question, I got a few other questions I'd like to ask you. Would you like to be justified? Would you like to be made right in God's sight? Would you like me to right all of your wrongs? Would you like me to give you the gift of righteousness? Would you like right standing with God the Father? Would you like me to give you the gift of eternal, not conditional, eternal life? Now, before you answer that one, think really hard on that one, because if you receive it, you're going to live with me in heaven forever. Would you like God to purchase you back with my blood? Would you like to belong to him forever? And I said, yes, yes. And God said, okay, I forgive all of your sins, every one of them, past, present, and future, I forgive them all. I justify you. You are now justified. All of your wrongs have been righted. You are right in my sight. I have now given you the gift of righteousness. Because you have believed, I've given you this gift of righteousness. You now have right standing with me relationally. I have given you eternal life. You will live with me in heaven forever. And from this day forward, you are mine. You belong to me. You see, you didn't get a worse deal than you thought. You got a better deal. And here's why. Because the work he did in you is a forever work. It's forever this work he's done in you. 26 years ago, in the middle of the night, when I woke up, scared to death, because I thought I heard a mean voice say, when you die, you're gonna go to hell. It wasn't judgment that I heard, 
I jumped out of bed with all of my heart said, Jesus, I believe. I want to spend forever with you. I'm not doing this to get out of hell. I believe. I want to be with you forever. I want to be justified. I want to receive the gift of righteousness, given right standing with God. I want eternal life. I want to be purchased by God. I believe. Jesus came to me in the same way he did with you. Maybe it wasn't when you were 13, but he came to me and he said, Preston, do you believe? If you believe, you will be saved. And here's what you need to know. I did, and I am. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. That's going to lead us in a little time of worship, and we're going to stay in our seats like we have in this series. The burden I felt for this time was a period of rest. The Bible says we labor to enter into rest. It'd be so foolish on our part if we allowed Christ Jesus to labor on our behalf, and we chose to strive in a spirit of labor, trying to earn God's affection, trying to earn God's attention, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn God's grace. When we've already been given the free gift of salvation. And I want us just to take a few moments in the presence of the Lord. I want you just to rest. I pray to God that it's dawning on you, that you're getting a revelation. Last night I talked to so many people who said, this is shaving off some of the rough edges of my childhood, some theology I didn't even know was off. Man, this seems too good to be true. The undeserved, unmerited favor of God, God's grace just seems so good to be true. And when someone says that, I know they're getting it. And here's why it's important that they get it. Because as believers, they have to understand they already have it. I want us to take a few moments, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, alone with the God of the universe, who stood in the back of the crowd and said, I'll take her, I'll take him. Money comes cheap to me. I'm gonna put more than my money where my mouth is. I'm putting the blood of my son on her, on him. I'll take her, I'll take him. Oh, let's have a moment with the God who yelled in the back of that crowd and bought us back with the blood of his son. Bye. 
what you've done, Jesus, and the life I have because of your Son, because you have given everything my heart could ever need, and all you ask is I believe, oh God, so I am resting safe inside your promise to provide the nothing could ever change your love you have given god you have given everything my heart could ever need and all you ask is i believe oh so i am resting safe inside you promise to provide the nothing could ever change your love so we are resting safe inside your promise to provide that nothing could ever change your love oh cause love came down and rescued me love came down and set me free I am yours, I am forever yours. I remind my soul that mountain I of valley low. I sing out, remind my soul, I am yours, I am forever yours. One more time, love came, and love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Oh God, in mountain high, valley low, I sing out on my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. I want to ask you to stand, and as you're standing, I want to invite our altar ministry to come. If you need prayer for anything at all, maybe you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus because you convinced yourself it's just too hard. I just got to get everything in order. No, you don't. Best time to come to Jesus is when everything is in disorder, in chaos, disarray. Run to Jesus. Let him make all your wrongs right. If you don't know Jesus, you've never met him before personally and made him Lord and Savior of your life. Make today that day. Come meet Jesus. He's not mad. He's not ashamed. Come meet him. It really is that easy. Believe, believe, believe. Don't you believe anything else you've heard? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you're going through something and you need somebody to pray with after I dismiss and everybody goes that way if you need prayer for anything at all please come pray with somebody before you leave let me pray a blessing over you God thank you so much thank you so much for every person in this room thank you that you stood in the back of that crowd and shouted at the top of your voice I want her I want him I'll buy her I'll buy him I want her to belong to me. I want him to belong to me. God, 
how extravagant, how high, how deep, how wide is your love for us. As they leave this place, God, may your love and your grace at least once every day for the rest of their lives render them speechless at the mere thought of all you've done and how good you are. May they be rendered speechless at least once every day for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.